Miracles, a few people, not to be like judgmental, but to be judgmental, who are in the wrong service. I know your last name, and you shouldn't be here. So next Sunday, we're going to have bouncers on the door, checking your name, you need a driver's license. Nah, I'm joking. It's good to see you. I had some people apologize last Sunday. They were like, oh, we needed to do stuff, so we came to the early service. I was like, we don't care. And then second people came to the second service, and they're like, oh, we wanted to have a sleep in. And I was like, yeah, we don't care. Just come to whatever. It's good times, though. Hey, so we're doing, carrying on with this um, our I Am series, right? Jesus in his own words. Um, and as you know, I always start with, like, um, kia ora and a bit of tereo and then a little bit of my limited Spanish. Um, but the Spanish speakers are all in the second service, so oh, buenos dias, como estas, them, then. Um, but last time we were talking about um, when I was welcoming the podcast folks, so kia ora, podcast people, what is tereo for podcasts? And so the amazing and awesome Mahalia... Um, let me know. So it's Kone Ipurangi. So Kone Ipurangi. Hey, Louise, Kone Ipurangi. Yeah, kia ora. So tell me if I get this wrong, Louise. Feel free to correct me. So my understanding is Kone is like a basket, a weaved flax basket, right? And it also means a file, which is awesome because it holds something, right? And then Ipurangi is actually the source of a stream, right? And so it also means the internet, yeah? Because the internet's like a stream. So kone ipurangi literally means a basket or something that's holding something for the internet, a file, so that's what a podcast is. Cool, eh? So now you can like just turn up to your friends um, later on today, this week, and just amaze them with your tereo. So kia ora um, to the folks that are on the kino, <laughs> kone ipurangi. Man, my tereo is shady. All right, let's um, get back to the sermon, eh? Just a little bit of... Hey, so this is the fourth of our I am um, statements, and this is a real crazy one. This one's talking about Jesus. It's two. We're doing two. So if you look at the little um, images up there, uh, we're doing Jesus the gate or the door, and I'm going to talk about that. He actually uses two different um, Greek, or John uses two different Greek words to talk about Jesus being the gate or the door. It's real interesting. And then the next little one is um, a a little sheep, and so it's also that Jesus is a shepherd. So those are the two that we're going to look at. Um, today, so because I love my sheep, and you all know I love my sheep, I thought I'd start off with a sheep story, yeah, um, and <laughs> shot Eve. Now, I have told you this one before, but it's my favorite funny sheep story, and it just fits perfectly because it's all about a door. So I know most of you have heard it, so you can just kind of chuckle along as if you haven't, if that's okay. Um, so as you know, we live on the side of Mangatauteri, about 20 minutes south of Cambridge. We're moving soon. Come on, Jesus. And, uh, yeah, so in droughts, we just leave our sheep out, and they just eat the lawn and the trees and the plants and everything else. They're just idiots. Um, and so about, must be about 10 years ago, I think, we had a really bad drought. And so the sheep were out on the lawn, and they'd eaten the lawn and eaten everything. And my mum was staying with us, and we were heading out somewhere. I don't know what we were doing. We were out um, on the driveway just about to get in the car and go somewhere. And the sheep were out on the lawn, and mum came out to jump in the car. And as she came out, she left the door open, right? And so left the door open, which normally wouldn't be a problem, and straight, this is a true story, right? Straight away, two idiot sheep who were standing on the driveway were like an open door with no one in it. Let's go! And so they ran into the house, which is true. And I was like horrified, and Joe started freaking, and my mum was having a little heart attack, and so I sprinted into the house. Now, we have one of those old houses that has a real wide um, it's like from the 1920s, our old house. It goes, has a big wide hallway right down the middle, all the lounge and all that kitchen stuff on one side, bedrooms on the other side. And the sheep went straight down the hallway. And then the only place they could go is to turn left into our bedroom, which was awesome. And I ran in after them and just freaked. And I 
thought the one thing I don't want to do is like spook the sheep because then they'll go to the restroom to use nice words because we're in church, right? And so I sprinted down the hallway. Just all I could think of was Joe freaking out, but she wasn't freaking out. She was outside somewhere freaking out. Um, ran into the bedroom and then I just lost it. I didn't think. And they were on the other side of the bed and the only way I could get behind them was to dive across our bed. So I dived across our bed and then just yelled and straight away one of the sheep went to the restroom, of course, thank you, sheep, and then I just yelled and they ran out, and one of them ran and went to the bathroom the whole way down the long hallway, which is all carpet, right? It's wood now, but it was carpet back then, and the, you know how sometimes when sheep go to the bathroom, they leave little raisins? Yep, so we just had like a raisin trail the whole way down the thing, and then my wife came in, and she was just like, what the, oh, this is ridiculous, right? And the whole problem was the door was left open, right? When you leave the door open, bad things can come in and come out, which is what Jesus is going to talk about, so... Hopefully that illustration showed you, A, I'm a terrible shepherd, and B, um, doors are, are, are super important. Um, one of the things that we're going to see heaps, so we're going to be in John 10, eh? If you've got your Bible, jump over to John 10, but one of the key things we're going to see in this um, passage is um, Jesus talks a lot about us hearing his voice, right? Hearing his voice, and, and one of the things we've kept saying as we've gone through this I Am series, myself and Dave and, and so on, is how do we know that we're following the right Jesus? Because we can construct Jesus however we want, right? Um, if we're not making sure we're digging into the Word and listening to wise people. And so the same thing I want you to think about this morning is how can you be sure that when you think or believe you're obeying the voice of Jesus, how do you know you're really obeying the voice of Jesus? Does that make sense? Because you could have constructed Jesus in any form or shape you want, <laughs> There's a lot of people out there who would say they're following Jesus, but we would say they're totally not following Jesus because they're not holding fast to the Bible. So how do we know we're really, we're really following the voice of Jesus, right? So let's read John um, 10, 1 to 15. So I'm preaching a little bit differently this morning. I'm just literally going to read um, passages and just explain them, read a passage and explain it. So that's how we're going to cruise through um, John. So I'm reading from the Living Translation, so hopefully you can... Follow along, okay. So let me read the first few verses and then I'll explain them. Uh, John 10. So Jesus is speaking. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. And we'd go, totally, we totally get that. That totally makes sense, right? But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. I'm going to illustrate this in a minute, and I would put a large box of cash on it, that when I explain what that means, you're going to go, that is so cool, okay? So if you don't, come and see me afterwards, and I'll give you the large box of cash. Um, verse 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name. What is that? And he leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. Now, not like Kiwi shepherds, right? Um, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. Man, I just love this, eh? Um, I love this. So this is a real interesting passage. I've read this tons of times, like you guys, heaps of times. But when I was studying this week, and this is one of the things I love about being a pastor, I get paid to study the Bible. You guys have to do it in your own time. I get paid to do it, so bad luck, guys. Um, one of the things I, I found, I never understood this, is that Je this is a parable Jesus is telling. And he actually changes the entire analogy within the parable halfway through. So you're going to see that real clearly. And so the first half of the parable, he's talking about a town setting. And then the second half of the parable, he's talking about a country setting. And we can tell that because of the Greek words that John uses. Okay, so let me explain it, though. So what he's talking about here is just, to me, such a cool image. He's talking about here is in Israel in Jesus' time, so 2,000 years ago, and still 
um, really similar to this now. Uh, shepherds would um, often be looking after a whole bunch of flocks of people, right? And so of, of that people own. So people would own just a few sheep, 10, 15 maybe. Uh, most houses in a little rural town, most house would have um, a few sheep that they would own and they would have a courtyard attached to their sheep. So the Greek word in here that was translated sheep pen can also be translated courtyard. It just means like an enclosure for sheep, right? And so the way this would have worked is that um, there'd be a whole bunch of houses down the street and they'd all have their little house and attached to it would be a little courtyard and at night the sheep would go in and during the day the sheep would go out to graze. Is everyone with me? Yeah. Visualising it? Cool. And they had a quite high stone wall, so about two metres high around this little courtyard, right? So in Israel you live outside a lot of the year and so this is part of what they would do and at night uh, the sheep come in. And so it does, it's not economical for everyone to have a shepherd, and so they'd have one shepherd that would be shared by a whole bunch of families. And so what would happen, and I did heaps of research, because I was like, that just seems way too cool to be true, but it's because Jesus is using a current reality to explain something, and then we miss it because we're in a different culture. Then what would happen is, I'm getting all goosebumpy because I just found this so exciting when I was studying this week. Um, then what would happen is, in the morning, early in the morning, the shepherd would walk down the street, and he would either sing or call out to the sheep. And there'd be someone over each house that was called the doorkeeper or the gatekeeper or whatever. They're kind of on security. And when they heard the shepherd coming, they would go down and they would open the door to the courtyard. That's all they would do. And the sheep would know the voice of the shepherd. Remember, there's all these different houses. And so as the shepherd's just walking down the street, singing, often they would sing, and I'll show you that in a minute. Um, often they would just call out to the sheep. Often they'd call them by name. And I was like, really? So I did a bunch of research, and they were like, yeah. Back in the Middle East, because they had such small little flocks, the shepherds would literally have a name for all the sheep. I have names for my sheep, but they're like idiot and mints and chops, but they wouldn't have called them that. They would have had lovely names, right? And I was like, man, this is such a cool image when Jesus is talking about himself being the good shepherd. And I love this. He walks down and he calls to them, he sings to them, and they, the gates open and they just hear him and they walk out and, and then he takes them out to the, um, out to the country to, to eat for the day. I was like, that's just very cool. Um, I found this little quote um, when I was studying this week, and I love this. Well, you, this is a recent, um, from, from recent um, discussion. You'll see what he says. We're used to sheep herders herding their sheep from behind, often using dogs to push them towards where they should go. However, one of my professors was meditating out in the wilderness in Palestine one day, and I'm like, man, I want that job. Um, when she heard a young man singing, when she looked up, she saw a shepherd walking in front of his flock and the sheep were following to their pasture. And I was like, man, that's such a beautiful image, right? Is that just me? It's a beautiful image? I just love that image of the, the shepherd walking, and he's calling to the sheep and stuff. I love this. I love this image that often they would sing. And we know this from David. David wrote a lot of his psalms when he was out in the wilderness, right, before he becomes king. A lot of that processing, a lot of that poetry, and it's, to me it's just such a beautiful image of that shepherd singing over his sheep, the sheep know not just his spoken voice, but his sung voice. Does that make sense, eh? So that made me jump straight across to Zephaniah, which I know heaps of you guys um, love this verse. I love this verse, right? For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you with, gla with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. <laughs> I want to read those last bits again. He will take delight in you with gladness. Um, I think a lot of us struggle to really live in the love of God. And a lot of us judge ourselves a lot more harshly than God does. 
When we look in the Bible, we see God when we're saved and we're in a relationship with God, right? We see God just loving us and delighting in us. And I think too many of us evaluate ourselves based on our struggles and our failures and our sins rather than on the good things we're doing. Does that make sense, eh? We evaluate ourselves based on, oh, this week I did that wrong thing. Oh, this week, this week, this week. Where God sees that, but that's all removed and forgiven at the cross. <laughs> so when he sees us, he, doesn't, he knows we do it, but he doesn't see that. He sees the good we're doing. He sees that we've said, oh, I've got to get up this week and read my, my Bible. Oh, there's that person I should go and talk to. Oh, but I'm really scared. Okay, I'm going to go and talk to them and encourage. He sees that, and that's why we see this, right? He'll take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he'll calm your fears. He'll rejoice over you with joyful songs. Man, I just love that, eh? Turn to someone and say, God rejoices over you with joyful songs. Is that cool? Turn to someone and say that. It's all good. I think it's a good thing to a good thing to hold on to that, right? I know I talk to a lot of people that that do just have this quite harsh view of God, right? A harsh view of God. And that's like that's not the God we see portrayed in the Bible. It's a God of love when we're in a relationship with him, right? Let me read um verse three again and then I wanna expand that. Verse three says the gatekeeper opens the gate for, for the shepherd. And the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. So they come out, right? He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And like I said, I read that this week and I was like, really? By name? <laughs> and it's totally true. And this just totally blows my, my, my mind that Jesus calls us by name, right? Um, often when I'm praying, I, I get into quite a, quite a corporate understanding of God, that God loves us as CBCers or God loves us as New Zealanders or people of Hamilton or whatever. And that's true, right? But I love how often Jesus talks about this in this passage, this name idea. And it's this cool thing that this week God has been calling to you. Jesus has been talking to the Father on your behalf using your actual name, which to me when I was studying it this week just made me go, nah. <laughs> I was like, I am such a muppet in my relationship with Jesus at times. I stuff up all the time, right? And I was thinking, oh, I just can't believe that. In heaven, the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, is praying on my behalf, which is very clearly said in the New Testament, and he's using my name as he speaks to the Father. And I'm, sure, I'm just like, that just blew my mind, going, Father God, and this is Jesus speaking, you need to bless Craig more this week, because he just needs our power, he needs our grace. I'm going to burst into tears. I was like, oh, that's insane. Do you know what I mean? Like, who are you? Who are we? We're just a bunch of comedians running around kirikiriroa. And the creator of the universe doesn't just know our name. He calls to us by name. He prays over us by name. Oh, just I've, this week, there's so many times at home when I was studying, I was just like running around the house like a crazy man. I was just getting so excited. Let me put these two together, and I don't think this is wrong because they're from good passages, right? The creator of the universe sings over you using your own name. He sings over you in love and delight and joy. <laughs> Man, let me pray before I burst into tears. Yeah, Father God, um, man, creator of all, the all-powerful, eternal, sovereign, independent, all-knowing, all present. 
God, the reality that you love us to that depth just absolutely melts my little brain. Um, the reality that you're so close to us, you care about us so much that you would you sing over us. It's such a beautiful image, eh? that, that image of, of a parent holding the child and just singing quietly to them. Um, what a beautiful image. I love how in that passage from Zephaniah, it's all love, it's delight. Man, we just pause as a whanau before you right now, God. I pray for people on the podcast connecting in as well. That as they dwell on this and chew on this, the reality that you just love them way more than they get. That you delight in them more than they, than they understand would just sink into their soul, would nourish them. Yeah, I call out to you, Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus. And I pray if there's anyone sitting here now going, nah, not me. Not me, man. You don't know my week. <laughs> you don't know my thoughts. You don't know my whatever. I pray that you would just, just drown them in your love. <laughs> that you would reveal to them that they have created a false image of who you are. They have crafted an image of their own understanding, their own thinking, rather than the, the image of the God that you portray in the Bible of love and peace and grace. Help them to hold on to that passage that you delight in them. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, Jesus, thank you that you are a good shepherd who calls us by name. And who are we? Who are we that you would call us by name? Man, we're so blessed. Help us to live in that blessing more. Mm. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo! Okay, I just got a few more thoughts. I just was so excited all week to get to Sunday to preach. <laughs> and Joel came up to me before to pray. He's like, anything I can pray for you? And I was like, bro, I'm so excited. If I don't get to preach, then I'm going to explode with joy. Because I was like, this is such cool, cool Bible stuff. Ugh. Okay, let me focus so I can try and finish a little bit. Um, verses 6 to 9. So Jesus now totally changes the analogy. Um, and like, like I said, we can tell he changes the analogy because he starts using different words that talk about a sheep pen in the countryside. So like I said, he's talked about a, this courtyard in the town, and you can tell by the, the things he said and the way he talks about it. And now he changes the whole analogy because the people don't get it. So let me read verses 6 to 9. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he mean, which is we read that all the time because they're always like, what? What is he saying? I don't get it. And I love it. Jesus then just goes, okay. And he says it real plain. They'll love this. Eh? So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. And they're like, oh, and we're all like, yeah, we got that. But they're like, what? I'm missing it. It's so good. Um, verse 8, all who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. He's talking about the Jewish leaders, right? Verse 9, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come in and go freely and find good pastures. Man, I love that, eh? They'll find good pastures. Jesus always wants to lead us to good, right? Sometimes his way of getting us there is through some hardship. <laughs> he always wants to lead us to, to good pastures. And he, he's totally changed the whole um, image now. So this, this originally was in town where you had gates, right? Um, now in the country you didn't. So you might have seen pictures of this where um, out in, in the, the pastures in the rural areas that have these low stone walls. So in the town they'd be like two metres high. Out in the country they'd be like a metre high just made of rocks and it would just be a small enclosure and there would be no gate. And so the way it would work is there'd always be a group of shepherds together. And again, they'd have flocks from all sorts of people. And at night, the sheep would go into this little sheep pen, these um, rock, little rock walls, and there's no gate, right? But 
the shepherd would sleep in the gate. So one of the, the shepherds. So you remember when you, um, in the, the uh, birth of Jesus story, and you have shepherds watching their flocks by night. So there'd be a, that's a group of shepherds out doing this. And right by where those shepherds are standing, when the angels come down and like blind them, there would have been a low stone wall. And one of the shepherds that night, most of them would have slept around a fire or something. One of them would be like, yeah, and he would be like, I will be the gate tonight. And he would go and sleep in the gate so that the sheep couldn't get out or get in. So, and Jesus is saying he's the gate, right? He's the access to, to everything, to the security of the pen, but also to the pasture. Um, verses 7 and 9 are kind of the key ones, right? I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved, right? Um, I've talked heaps about salvation the last couple of, um, couple of Sundays. It's the salvation from and a salvation to, right? A salvation from sin, a salvation from lostness, a salvation from confusion, a salvation from alienation to God. So the planet doesn't make sense. or We were create, created to be in connection with God. So a salvation from and a salvation to, salvation to, good pastures, Salvation to blessing, salvation to understanding that the Lord delights in me, salvation to guidance, and, and all this good stuff, right? I've talked heaps about that, so that's what he's talking about. Um, I love it, eh? There's this, this very strong message in there is that he is the only way. There's no other gates, right? And he doesn't say in here, I am the gate plus doing some stuff, <laughs> And this is a scary thing to say as a pastor. He doesn't say, I'm the gate plus going to church. <laughs> I'm the gate plus serving at church. I'm the gate plus giving money to church. I'm the gate plus Look, He doesn't say that, right? He is the gate. He is the access. He is the saviour. It's never Jesus plus, right? Um, and then we get on to, I think, one of my favourite verses. And one of the verses that's known super well in here, right? Verse 10. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, eh? I love that, eh? A rich and satisfying life. Some translations will say, um, my purpose is to give them um, like an abundant life or life and have it really abundantly. Um, and like I did last Sunday, I just want to kind of pause for a second and go, and I say this with heaps of love, so don't hear me saying this rudely, eh? Are you experiencing the abundant life that Jesus gives to us? Is your life rich and satisfying? Because if it's not, then you're missing something. Because this is what he says. That's why I put it on the screen, right? He, here's the gate to a rich and satisfying life, not a gate to a, uh, eh, Christianity, Christianity. It's not what, what he's doing. He's not a gate to a, oh, yeah, I never hear God. I never experience God. That's not what he is a gate to. He's a gate to abundant life, a rich and satisfying life. So again, if, if you're not experienced, and again, there's seasons of life where we're going through hardship, you know what I mean, eh? But deep in that hardship, we know that God has got us because we have his life in us. And again, I just want to say, if, if you're not experiencing an abundant life, a rich and satisfying life, then there's something wrong with your understanding. You're, you're missing something in your relationship with Jesus. And there's good people in this church that you, you should talk to that could help you, that could encourage you, right? I love that, eh? My purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. Um, he kind of expands on this in, in John 17, so I just chuck this up quickly. John 17, verse 3, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one he sent to earth. This, this whole idea of knowing, right? This whole idea of, um, of knowing, um, Okay, let me read verses 14 and 15. Um, I, I've got these on the screen. Um, 
I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. And then he has this crazy verse, or this crazy line. So I sacrificed my life for the sheep. Now, when he would have said this in Israel 2,000 years ago, everyone would have just poked each other and gone, shut up. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Hands up, anyone who would ever consider sacrificing themselves for a sheep. Because if you put your hand up right now, I'm going to call you nuts. Because sheep are completely crazy. Really? Get out, Julia. Man. That the concept would be ludicrous to them, right? Um, in Jesus' day, there was everything from panthers to leopards. I didn't realize there were leopards in Israel. Um, to hyenas, to lions, to bears, all these things that would attack um, sheep and shepherds. And the idea was that the shepherd would protect the sheep as much as they could, but then after a while be like, and have a good feast, leopards, I'll see you later, right? And the shepherd would never lay down their life for the sheep. This is madness, but this is what Jesus says, right? So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I put no in this um, in bold because I wanted to emphasize it, right? Like, like I said from that John 17 verse, it's all about us knowing God. Um, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And I, the bit that jumped out to me this week is this just as, right? Because this just made me go, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me just as or in the same way my father knows me and I know the father. And when I read it this week, and, and that, I've read this passage, I don't know how many times, when that jumped out, I was just like, that is completely crazy, right? Does it feel crazy to you? Maybe it's just me. Okay, me and Ben, maybe. Everyone else? And Dan, shot Dan. Bree? Nothing? No, I don't know. The thing that blew my brain on this is this. Two things, right? I had two kind of wow moments when I was looking at this. I'm the good shepherd, I get that. I know my own sheep, I get that. I get that Jesus knows me. But then it's this next bit, and they know me just as my Father knows me. And the two bits I had is like, wow. Do I know Jesus as well as he knows the Father? And my answer was like, no, nah, I just don't. <laughs> I'm working on it, but I really don't. And he says, we should. <laughs> it should be a natural aspect to who we are as a child of God, as in being in a relationship with God. So that was the first wow that made me go, hmm, I think I need to make some changes in my life so I'm developing that knowing more, right? And then the second thing that blew my mind was the second wow was like, wow, what would my life look like if I made that change so that I started to really know Jesus as much as the Father knows Jesus? And that just made me go, I remember I was standing in my, I have a little tiny office at home with a little stand-up desk and I was standing there like this just going... Oh, man, that would change everything, right? That would change everything. If I was starting to pull some things into my life and get rid of some things in my life that are disabling me from knowing Jesus as the Father knows him, pulling some things into my life that are going to draw me closer and deeper to Jesus, I was like, man, that's going to change everything. I'm going to hear the voice of Jesus way more clearly than I do now. I'm going to have greater guidance, and I'm talking to someone. I'm just going to be way smarter because Jesus can talk to me and guide me because I have this knowing connection. I just love that. That just as is huge, right? And then the other thing that really jumped out to me this week is this bit here. So I sacrificed my life for the sheep, and it's like, well, of course you would. Because <laughs> if you know them, and knowing like, like I read from, um, from John 17, it has this whole real deep connection feeling to it, this love aspect to it. 
So now you read it like that, and the so I sacrifice is like, well, duh, of course you would. It's nothing now like the normal shepherd and sheep in Israel. This is a whole different aspect to the analogy. I'm the good shepherd I know or I love, I care about my own sheep, and they know, they love, they care about me, just as my Father knows and loves and cares about me, and I know and love and care about the Father. So, duh, obviously I would sacrifice my life for the sheep. Because we're not just idiot sheep anymore. We're people that Jesus loves and cares for with the same depth of love and care and connection that he has with the Father. And that just blows my brains, man. Blows my brains. Okay, let me finish with this. How do I know the voice of Jesus? How do I know that the voice of Jesus is the right voice? How do I know the shepherd, right? How do I know if I have this salvation from sin and death and the salvation to fullness of life and abundant life that Jesus talks about? Um, so let's all stand up and let me finish with this. Etu, etu. How do you know if you know the shepherd? you know his voice? Not only do you know his voice, but you also desire to hear his voice. And one of the key ways we hear the voice is always through the Bible, Right? Some people hear the voice of God audibly. Some people know deep in their soul that God is guiding them. But one of the only ways we can really know is when we see God speaking to us in the Bible because there's no filtering and changing and stuff, right? So how do I know if I'm really in a relationship with God? Um, I know Jesus' voice and I desire to hear his voice more and more and more. And then secondly, you have the abundant life that Jesus gives to all who are connected with him, right? You have that abundant life, and there can be hard seasons and struggles and times of confusion, but deep, deep, deep in your soul, you know you have the abundant life. You know it. You know it. So just as I pray, I just want to say again, man, are you sure? I just, one of my biggest fears as a pastor, as an elder in this church, is that you come to church every Sunday, and you think you're in a relationship with Jesus, and you're not. <laughs> it just terrifies me. So I just plead with you again, eh, if you're not, you're like, yeah, I do know. I know the voice of Jesus, man. Man, and you're talking about him singing over me. My name just made me goosebump, and I'm like, whoa. Then it's a strong, a strong sign that you're in a relationship with Jesus. But if not, and if you're not feeling that abundant life, then on what basis do you believe that you're journeying with Jesus? Man. Okay, let me pray, and then we're going to finish up. So stay standing. Let me pray for us all. Yeah. Glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Man, Father God, I just love the, these verses in John 10. Just this whole crazy analogy that Jesus would... And not only that he's the gate and we get that and he's a good shepherd and leads us and all this good stuff, but that the shepherd sacrifices himself for the sheep is just crazy <laughs> until we understand how much we're loved, um, how much we're known. Um, yeah, I pray for all of us. I pray for folks on the, the podcast as well, eh, that as we head out this week, that we would know we go as blessed, blessed children of you, almighty God. That as we head out this week, we would know that um, we are people that if we choose to, eh, we follow a good shepherd who wants to lead us to great pastures, lead us to an abundant life, wants to lead us to a rich and satisfying life. Yeah, I pray you'll give us good ears to hear you this week. 
Um, not only do you know us by name, but you call us by name. You speak to us by name. Help us to really hear your voice this week. In the midst of our craziness, in the midst of our bad priorities and being over busy and all this, help us to have made time to hear from you, to get to know your voice more and more, because we know that changes everything, everything. Bless us this week and speak loudly to us. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.